Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay. Thank you. Welcome to our uh, Tuesday night Torah study. Um, let me begin with a word of prayer. Well, Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for this group of people that found the time in their, their busy lives to come out and look at your Torah for an evening. I'd ask that you'd bless us with your presence, that you would help us understand more of who you are and how you want us to behave, how much you love us. I also ask tonight special blessings for uh, Chris and his wife Maggie, who are both hospitalized now with various different things going on. I just ask that you comfort them, uh, heal them, and just help them uh, get back on the road to recovery and um, get their family back together and operating on a normal schedule. Just thank you for the evening. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, Maggie has already done that, and there were some complications. Although every, the baby's fine, I mean, you know, it's, uh, but she has had to go back into the hospital for some different uh, reasons. And then Chris decided that he might as well join her there. That's not right. He, he got ill too. His, uh, he had some intestinal issues that came up. And so both of them are now, the, the word that came to mind was incarcerated, but that's not the right word. They were, they're both in the hospital, but they'll be out hopefully soon. So... Let's see. We're in Exodus, as you probably realize. Last week, we were about halfway through the Ten Commandments, and we were having a pretty good time with some of these. So I want to go back and kind of review a little bit. And as you know, you can ask questions anytime you want, and I'm pretty good, not real good, but pretty good about saying okay and dealing with them. But um, if you remember, we were going through the text, and uh, we were reading this dramatic part about... uh, Moses going up the mountain and God saying the people needed to come and stay behind this border and not to touch the mountain. And, and um, then the, God began to speak and it sounded like a loud trumpet that got louder and louder. And then I had you skip over chapter 20 or most of chapter 20 and read the end uh, of, of the Ten Commandments. The, and we kind of put it all together. And now we were going back and dealing with just the the Ten Commandments themselves, and we'd gone through the first uh, four or so of them, and um, the discussion was very interesting. I really enjoyed it. Uh, one of the things that uh, I was pleased, I always try to do this, and one of you folks beat me to it, was, uh, you know, you when you look at these, these are the Ten Commandments, and you look at Yeshua, and, you know, we re- most of us can recall the time or the place where uh, I think the Pharisees were actually trying to entrap him, if you will, and they had somebody come up and ask him, you did this, Alfonso, ask him, what's the most important commandment? And he said, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, your strength, and strength. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. And then he went on to say that the, all of the uh, law and the prophets rest on these two commands. And so we went off and talked about how those two commands that he said ought to line up with these ten commandments that we read. And they do. 
you have to kind of get your mind around a little bit. Um, this last weekend, I was visiting uh, another Torah group that we know kind of well out toward Yuma, and as, uh, as God would have it, they were doing the same, same portion. And um, they, were, they had looked at this too, and, and they came up with something I wanted to share with you because I thought it was really, uh, really kind of insightful. Uh, it was, I, I don't remember who it was, but it was a woman that was there in the group, and she said, well, what I, what I, what I tell people is that these Ten Commandments are kind of like a table of contents. You know, they're not, they're not uh, the Ten Commandments and there's nothing else to talk about. They're, they're just a table of contents. Here's one, and then you'll find lots of other details about that as you go through the document. And here's another one, it's number two, and then, you know, so it's not like this is it and there's nothing else. This is just the beginning. And that came up in another way, too, because as we'll find out as we go through the rest of uh, Exodus, that when God talks about His judgments and His commands, He, uh, I don't know, it used to just floor me the way He would, well, we'll get to one tonight. He, he goes to some real obscure thing. Say that, uh, you know, this, these two guys are out there and, well, you know, there's one where one guy's chopping wood and an axe handle flies off and hits the other guy in the head. That's one. And you think, well, now that's a silly law. I mean, why, why, would, you, why would you waste the print to write about something that's going to be so unlikely to happen? And what it's, it's, it's taken a while for the light bulb to click on, but I finally realized the easy ones he doesn't need to talk about. The easy ones are you. You can figure those out. You know, be nice to people. Well, don't lie. Don't cheat. You know, just the stuff that we all know. The ones that are in the Torah that are those obscure sounding things are so that you can kind of get the idea behind them and see how they fit with the ones that you should already know. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. Where we ended last week was... Oh, I think we had just barely started talking about chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 is, I guess, depending on how you number it, the uh, third, let's call it the third commandment. Um, it says, you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for Yahweh will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And I thought, well, we ought to talk about that a minute and see what, you know, most of the time, the versions that you usually hear quoted uh, by other people are, uh, you should not use, hold the name of the Lord in vain, use the God's name in vain. So this says misuse. What are your thoughts? Has anybody got any thoughts about what it means? What the, let's call it the third commandment means? I'm very opinionated. Very opinionated oh, on that one. I didn't one. know that. Okay, good. <laughs> um, in my translation, it says, you are not to use lightly the name of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and it says, uh, someone who uses his name, uh, let's see, un I not leave unpunished someone who uses his name lightly. My interpretation of, of it, or the way I think about it, maybe, mm -hmm. is... Working for a company, if I worked for a company and I wore the, the shirt of the company and I have the logo of the company and I'm going to go out and present the company to somebody and I start talking about the company like, oh, it's no big deal and, uh, and uh, start saying how somebody could go off and do something different and go buy some other product and I wouldn't be representing the company very well. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's my thinking is... Mm -hmm. is 
I'm going to use the Lord's name, if I'm going to say I'm, I believe in him, I'm going to watch what I say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read his word. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to uh, act in a way that is right according to his perspective. I, I think that's very good. You know, it's funny. I've, I've not heard that before, but it reminds me of when I was a young whippersnapper, my first real job, I worked for uh, a big computer company. And they, there was really, this company's really a good company. And they would tell me, you know, I was in, in the field, the, the part of the sales force, and they would tell me that when you're out talking to customers, you are the company. So whatever you say, you know, uh, you represent the company. And, he's, and they said, and we'll back you up at least once. <laughs> but the point is, is you know, they made a big, big point of the fact that you are the company, so what you do reflects on us. So be careful what you do and be careful what you say. That's a good point. Yeah, I think the key words are in this uh, verse 7 is in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time uh, is uh, referring to swearing. People think that, that's they, true. Yeah, they think that, but that's... Mm-hmm. In vain is uh, let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in vain is for the idle talk, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, uh, you know, about the Lord and everything. Mm-hmm. But yep. I, I think it's in, in vain. I'm not quite what the Hebrew word vain is. Yeah, I'm not but, sure. But uh, in modern day language is be in uh Uselessness. Yeah, misuse was the word mind, mind talk. That's a good point. You know, one of the things that I often reflect on is the state of our society now. Boy, truth is just almost unheard of. You know, people don't think anything of just lying up a storm just and, and, and saying things that just are absolutely untrue. And the truth is really an important, important foundation of society, if you ask me. Pat's got something. A lot of times we're encouraged in the circles that I work in Mm -hmm. to use your name often, use the person's name, not just talk to them, be sure, and (laughs) address them by name. And the more that I hear that, the more I'm appreciating it. So... One of the definitions that I heard about this verse was don't bring his name to nothing, to yeah. not. Yeah. So that would be one of my ways of thinking of bringing it to nothing, just not mention it, just don't say it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and... Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Any other thoughts? Want, want to go on to the next one? Yes. You guys fight it out. I just had a question on that. Um, would it be considered uh, bringing his name to naught if, through several of the translations, how they sub- substitute the name? Or they'll do Lord in uppercase or Adonai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Now, that's a very good point. There's, uh, there are tons. Let's see. People have been all over the board on that, and they have really strong feelings, you know? Whole groups of people have strong feelings. Like in the, the Jewish rendition, the, the name is literally this yod Hey vav Hey, this tetragrammaton that we sometimes pronounce Yahweh or Yahuwah. 
Um, but they have taken special pains never to pronounce it for fear that they would be misusing it. So the idea was is that if we just don't pronounce it, then we don't have to worry about the fact that we might be misusing it. And so they always translate it as Hashem, which is the name. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, that's the other side of the coin. Um, I don't know. I, I've, I, don't, I don't think he really... I can see why people would think that, and I guess I would respect them if they thought that. I personally don't. So I don't know if it... One thing I'm sure that he doesn't want is for that to be a divisive issue. Well. How about uh, people who purport to speak in the name oh, boy. of Yahweh? Yeah. Which we have a lot of uh, samples yeah. in our society. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little scary because... To me, when you do that, you're stepping into a, a role that you don't have to step into, but that if, you're, if you don't do it right, man, you're going to get nailed. <laughs> Maybe I overreacted to that, but I mean, you know, the, the, I, I don't ever plan on doing that until God tells me for sure that I need to be doing that. <laughs> Have you ever uh, heard of the um, the term used to uh, a name used to attribute to this the Savior that came in the first century as Yeshu Y E S H U? I suppose I have. I've, I've never. I don't know much about that. Go ahead. So there are uh, people that will. I'm not going to say what group, yeah. but there are people that will use that name to refer to the Redeemer that came in the first century uh, because that name, Yeshu, means may his name be blotted out and obliterated. Really? I didn't know that. Uh. Hi, Joy. Another uh, thing I just noticed that thou shalt not take take the name of the Lord thy God in, in vain. Is uh, I was thinking about how God tells uh, Israel to take the word of God to the nations, mm -hmm. and uh, is the truth to take the word of truth or to take the word of, of the Torah? the nations but but that that confuses the word word with the word name but there's there's an analogy there i'm sure it's okay yeah i agree with you on the part of not agreeing with the idea of not using the name or using something else other than the name in order not to offend because the scripture there's a um like in the ron a, i can't say the word the benediction, the... Ironic blessing? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, it says, in this way you will put my name. Mm -hmm. And how would you put your put his name without saying it? Let's see. We're going to bless you in the name of the name. That's what that says. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a fair point. I don't agree, but I have heard people criticize when we, they say, shorten 
Yeah. Wah or Yahweh to Yah. It's yeah. like saying dude or yeah. buddy. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't agree, but at least that's a, yeah. a perspective. Yep. You know, one of the places that uh, caused me to look at that a little bit was when they say hallelujah. Because I guess that's, you know, giving praise to Yah. So, I don't know. I, I think, I tell you, obviously, God looks at the heart. And the heart's really the key issue here anyway. But on the other hand, all this, the, the, all the understanding and discussion we've had about representing Him and, uh, you know, being obviously respectful, it, it, it applies. Yes. Yeah, uh, I guess since He uses it, over 6,000 times, mm -hmm. and he says, call on him. Yes. Um, it's something we should consider, but the, uh, the word point. that's used for vain is shav, and like Kenny mentioned, um, making it useless or empty. Okay. Uh, somebody else mentioned using it in falsehood or vanity, yep. emptiness. So um, I, I, I think... I, I guess I would liken it to uh, uh, my wedding ring. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to go out and I'm going to be doing something that might damage it, you know, whether it's breaking bricks or whatever, I might take that wedding ring off mm -hmm. for that moment and not use it. I'm still married, but I'm not going to abuse it or use it in a way that would damage it. Uh, or if I liken it to a, a, a tuxedo or a wedding dress before the event, I'm not going to wear it just casually. Yeah. I'm going to, it's set aside for a special yeah. purpose. I think, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying to some degree. Certainly, you know, God tells us we need, we need to understand the difference between clean and unclean, common and sacred, if you will. And that kind of goes along with that. The, and when you make something common that's not common, um, God, yeah, it, that he's told you not to do that to, that, that's bothersome. I mean, that offends him. That's the other thing. Offend, offending him, you know, really. Let's move on, if that's all right. Um, unless there's some... Let's move to the next one, because this is one of my favorite ones. It's verse 8, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Does somebody want to read Exodus 20, 8, 9, 10, and 11? Uh, Alfonso. Remember the Sabbath day to Kadosh it. Six days your labor, and shall do all your work. But the seventh day is a Shabbat of Yahweh your Elohim. You do not do any work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who was within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the Shamayim and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh Barak, the Shabbat day, and Kadosha. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's fine. So, the first question to ask, is there any doubt which day is the Sabbath? Yes. Seems to me it's the seventh, by the way, to answer that question. Yes. Well, I still don't understand why people say Saturday or for instance, the way I read it, it counts from the full moon. I'm sorry, the new moon. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, Shabbat. So 
but well, if then you, people say it's Saturday every Saturday. Well, so okay. I don't know. Well, let's talk about that. There, one of those has one implication that the other one does not. Now, the way we do it and the way I think most people do it is you count seven days and then you start over. You count seven days and then you start over. So it's a, it's a, it's a non-lunar uh, or solar cycle. It's just it's based on the number seven. You count seven and then you start over. And so whatever day you started with, that has determined the seventh day forever. And it has never changed. Okay. Now, the other way with the lunar, you know, with the new moon and all that kind of stuff, what that does, because there are not exactly 28 days in between new moons, every now and then you're going to want to start a week at some, something other than the seventh day. And so it throws the schedule off. And not only that, but you have that happening every month. And the schedule gets... So it would be very, very difficult to keep track of the weeks. The whole term of week kind of becomes meaningless because every now and then you're going to have a week with eight days in it or nine days. And so um, for me, it's really kind of no contest. I'm almost... Let's see. uh, Notwithstanding the fact that I could be proven to be wrong when we get there, I just don't think that God would make it so that it would change like that all the time. I, th- I think it's based, it says, what does it say? It says, God created the heavens and the earth and all that's in them in six days and he rested on the seventh. And, and so it's the cycle of seven is what we're looking at. And the, for whatever it's worth, the cycle of seven has always corresponded to Saturday. So to me, it's real obvious. But People are allowed to have different opinions. What do you think? Do you does that make sense to you? I'm still confused. <laughs> okay, okay. Because well, both because both seem to make sense to me. One is the because you're counting a new moon, and the other because it's well, it's the cycles of seven but, are real clear here. But then you don't you don't agree that it would be awfully complex to have to recalculate every month. Right. Okay. Okay. I guess, but the reason for the new moon, watching for the new moon, is for the holidays, right? And for this for the beginning of the month. For the beginning of that's month. how you calculate the beginning of the month. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm gonna move to the side on that one because otherwise I'm okay. You know, I'm still confused. That's on it. fine, and there's certainly nothing wrong with saying uh, I'm just not real sure right now. Now, as one of the things Mark says, and we, we, we have to do one or the other, and we've chosen this one. It could very well be we'll get up there and we'll just be real embarrassed because we got it wrong. But I honestly think that I don't. I, I mean, this is me. I think of all the ones I probably have wrong, I don't think this is one. But it might be. It, it might be. <laughs> yeah, for one, I never questioned what God's Word said about the Shabbat. Mm-hmm. But um, you go back to Genesis 1.14, where God said signs and seasons, the sun, the moon, the, talking about the Jewish calendar, not the ones that... It's the Hebrew calendar, it's not Hebrew. the Jewish calendar. Uh, well, Hebrew calendar okay. is what they base it on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Constantine back in whatever... 380. That, uh, 300 AD, where he changed, he was a pagan, and changed the, the day of the the Sabbath, mm-hmm. in order to, uh, in order to pay, uh, pacify 
the pagans. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't, I could never understand why, why did the so-called people back there stop that and mm-hmm. just follow what God said, the seventh day. Well, there's, there's a whole bunch of history that you can go read about all of that. That's and true. there are many, many reasons he but did that, not there, the least of which was he wanted, at that time there was this political need to make sure that there was a distinction between the Jews and the, the people that believed in Yeshua. Yeah, Those this, needed to be separate groups. The Sabbath, the Sabbath was not for God. It was for mankind. Yeah. You know, the, the rest. And uh, so I, I think when a person follows the, uh, the Shabbat, the way God has stated in his scriptures, that will bring honor and glory to Okay. Boy, that's a wonderful segue because go to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, and I'm going to read starting in verse 13. I'll let you get there because this is worth reading. It says, starting in verse 13, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and Yahweh's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way or doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in Yahweh, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, ah, I mean, not only is the Sabbath very well defined in this uh, commandment, it, he makes it clear. This is only one of many places where he makes it really, really clear that keeping the Sabbath is important and it honors him. Yes. So it's interesting because you can talk to a lot of people in Christendom, and I know I was raised in the Baptist church, and we were taught that the Sabbath was Sunday mm-hmm. because we used to sing, we used to do the prayer, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Uh, and even to the point where, as my parents would say, okay, once you put on the Sunday clothes, you can't take them off. Don't go outside and play. Don't go running <laughs> up and down the street. Yeah. Couldn't ride our bicycles. Couldn't mow the lawn and couldn't cut with scissors and all this other kind of stuff because this was the Sabbath, the holy day. Mm-hmm. So most of Christendom, they say, well, this is the Sabbath. It's the seventh day. Monday, Tuesday, went, and then Sunday well, becomes that so-called Sabbath. Well, yeah. Understand, I I know that's not correct, but it's one of those things that if you mention it to a lot of people, they're going to say, well, we observe the Sabbath. We observe Sunday as the Sabbath. Yeah, that's that's fine. But then ask them how it got changed from Saturday, right? Because they can't really tell you how it got changed. And the truth of the matter is the church changed it, right? The Roman Catholic Church changed it. And uh, they had their reasons, but I've even seen little booklets that explain why the Sabbath was changed to Sunday. And all of them, in my opinion, I mean, at the time I read it, I kind of said, well, maybe, eh, maybe. Now that I've kind of begun to see this, see the Torah, it was like, well, that's a stretch to say the least. It's an effort of the enemy in Daniel chapter 725. It says... 
and he speaks words against the Most High and wears out the set-apart ones of the Most High and intends to change appointed times law, uh, and they are given into the hands of time and times and half a time. So yep. seeks to confuse what's clearly been put down. Yep, that's very good. The, the thing is, is whenever we get over into Leviticus, there's, I think it's chapter 26, it starts talking about the, the, the term that God, or that Hebrew uses is moed, and moed is an appointed time. It also carries with it the idea of rehearsal, but it lists the moeds, the appointed times that God expects His people to keep. You know what the very first moed is? Shabbat. And then it goes into, you know, Passover and Shavuot and all the rest of these, but the first moed is Shabbat. So these are his appointed times. And then you look at all the counterfeits that have happened since then. The first thing they always do is change those times. They have a different set of holidays and a different day of rest. I mean, the Christians did it. The Muslims did it. The Muslims' day of rest is on Friday, right? You know, just to be different. Um, <clears throat> so it's pretty plain, really, you know, who came first? God. <laughs> And he says, these are the days. And evidently, like you say, the adversary is always looking to uh, screw us up. So changing the days is a good way to do it. Sorry, Mike. And uh, <clears throat> the Catholic Church really makes no secret of the fact that they've done this. Oh, no, that's they, true. They state quite openly that, you know, the papacy, in their view, supersedes the Word of God. Yep. Yep. It is pretty scary in itself. It is scary, I think. Under Constantine, he called it an effort to de-Judaize yeah. early Christianity. Yeah, that's exactly right. So having ham on Easter has got to be the epitome of de-Judaizing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Somewhere I was reading that edict where they changed it, and I don't remember but the wording, and I'm going to get it wrong, but I'll try to muddle through it. The wording basically says that all the ones who follow are the daughters of the Catholic Church. And do you remember seeing something like that? Where, mm -hmm. Yeah, where they are under the authority of that church by keeping this edict yeah. of changing it from Saturday to Sunday. Well, one of the things that uh, I was going to talk about with this commandment, and I don't know exactly where it is, it's in the Torah somewhere. It talks about the Shabbat is a sign. It's a sign for others to know who we are, right? And and that's why you don't have the uh, you don't have the Muslims worshiping on Saturday, or you don't have any of the other. You know, it's Saturday is his day. Yes, Joe. The sign is the creation of uh, of God. It's, uh, it's like in Genesis one fourteen, mm -hmm. signs plural, seasons mm -hmm. plural, mm -hmm. and people think that well, the seasons are spring, winter. Summer, uh, summer and fall, but that's not it. It's like what you said, that's God's appointed time. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way it is. And if you change, uh, when a church we used to go to, Jenny and I, and the pastor there said any day of the week could be the Sabbath, which is uh, really uh, off the wall. Yeah. But I think the sign that uh, you're talking about to me is the sign of creation. Okay. Well, that's all right. Uh, I don't know. Well, let's see. I do know why these appointed times. One reason these appointed times are important 
is because they prefigure um, important happenings in God's plan. You know, like you've all sat around and understood how um, Yeshua, when he came the first time, fulfilled Passover, right? And we got have many lessons about all of that. We know we know how these these moeds, moedim in the plural, um, prophesy, if you will, future events in God's calendar. So that's one of the main reasons for keeping them, and I think that's one of the main reasons the adversary wants to change them. Yes. Uh, it looks like we weren't there yet when you're talking about the sign. So it's uh, Shemot 31, 12 okay. to about 17. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe saying, And you speak to the children of Israel saying, My Shabbat oath you are to guard by all means, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations to know that I, Yahuwah, kadosh you, and you shall guard the Sabbath for it's kodesh to you. Everyone who profanes it shall certainly be put to death for anyone who does work on it, that being shall be cut off from among his people. Yep. Six, six days' work is done, and on the seventh is a Sabbath of rest. Kodesh to Yahweh. Everyone doing work on the Sabbath day shall certainly be put to death. And it goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty serious. So anyway, that, this one is the one that you can have the most fun with with your Christian friends, right? Because... They, they really can go through all kinds of gymnastics to talk about why it was changed or how it was changed, and you can't get around, you just can't get around this, I don't think. So, yeah. Anybody else? Yes, Joe. The foreknowledge of God, and God knew that mankind would need a rest, so that's another reason why he, because mm-hmm. uh, if God rested, surely... He wants us to rest. Oh, yeah. Well, I used to think, I still think this to a large degree. Um, what in the world is so onerous about Shabbat, observing Shabbat? It's, you know, take a day off, right? That's really all it is. I mean, there's, we should meet together. You know, we should probably maybe study the Torah, do a little worship, share a meal. Just don't work. Now, what is so hard about that? Why is that a difficult thing to do? Football. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that question that you asked, I have to read my translation. All right. <clears throat> my translation says, if you hold back your foot on Shabbat from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call Shabbat a delight, I got to go back to that first part. That first part. This is Isaiah fifty-eight, your, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold, hold back your foot from pursuing your own interests. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that the key? Mm-hmm. That's the key. You're, you're basically saying that you know, God, this is your day. I'm going to do what you want me to do today. I'm going to just basically relax until you tell me I'm to do something different. <laughs> So, yeah. And then the rest of it is, um, uh, let's see, hold it, I'm sorry. Uh, here it is. Okay. And, okay. On my holy day. If you call Shabbat a delight, if you call Shabbat a delight, I'm thinking when he says this, if you call it a delight, I'm thinking he's saying not just this is a pen, but this pen 
works well. Right with this. Mm -hmm. This is a well, good pen. Okay, even Not one step farther. I enjoy writing with this pen. I enjoy writing with this pen, yeah. Yeah. Even to the point where, okay, it's not just a common day. He calls it his yeah. Sabbath, yeah. not the Sabbath of the Jews, yeah. not the Sabbath of the Hebrews. It's his. Yeah. He blessed it, mm -hmm. set it apart. Mm -hmm. So it's a day that he blessed to be observed. Yeah. And so, yeah, you look at it from that point. Then you can always ask the crazy question. A lot of people say, what would Jesus do? What did Yeshua observe? Yeah. Well, you know, that there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about in terms of observing it. But the point is, is we know when it is, and we know we're supposed to set it apart, and if nothing else, well, sanctify. What sanctify mean? Set it apart for God. That's the main thing. Yes? Oh, basically, I just want to... Agree with Uncle Paul here said about that the day of rest. So that's the only day that he sanctified and he blessed. Now, when you, you want to talk to your Christians and friends and you ask them, well, if it changed, the only ones who can change it is the Father or the Son. So, where in Scripture did they change the day of rest and blessed and sanctified another day? Other than the seventh day, yeah, yeah. you tell me, you show me scripture, and I'll believe you. Yeah, yeah. Joni, I think had something. So it comes down to the whole separation between paganism and everything that started with really with Cain, but Nimrod, and um, this is more serious than I think anyone really realizes. It mm -hmm. becomes the spearhead of our being set apart, and some say it's. Um, our seal or our mark, you mm -hmm. know, that, con that contrasts the mark of the beast. Yep. So. It's, it is important. It's more, like you say, it's probably more important than people realize. Yeah. You got something, Kenny? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We, this is okay. That's one of the reasons we're not trying to, you know, make time. So go for it. You? Um. With the, the th with it being changed to Sunday too, uh, where she was bringing up um, uh, paganism aspects mm -hmm. into uh, of Sunday was a big part in pagan religions for sun god worship. Sure, and that was that's where it gets its name. Sunday, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Well, let's move on. Um, I like that one. That's a fun one. The next one, it's number five. If you're counting, is verse twelve. I'll read it since it's not terribly long. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you. <laughs> Got a comment? This is one of my favorites. Okay. And, and it's one of my favorites because I have, I have this perception of, of this scripture. And that is, this does not mean do what your mom and dad say because your mom and dad could tell you to drink alcohol and get drunk and or they could be drug addicts or that sort of thing however if instead you do what is correct according to god's perspective 
then people seeing you doing right, being the poor, helping people in need, that sort of thing, they would look at you and say, gosh, you must have good parents because look how you are. You're, you're a, a good, you're a, a, a minch. Minch. Minch, okay. I can't say the word, but anyway. But you're, you're a good person, therefore your parents must be it good. It reflects be, well on them. Yes. That's the essence of honoring them, right? That you, is my yeah, perspective. Uh, that's fine. I think that's a perfectly good perspective. What you said was, at least one aspect, was to conduct yourselves in a way that your parents would be pleased to say, yes, that's my son. I think more than, than that. Because well, that my, but at least that. Not even. My, my father, as uh, up until now, Absolutely doesn't, or says he doesn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Curses. Uh, the only his favorite two words are God this and Jesus that, mm-hmm. and and that's all the cuss words. And he argues with me from across the table, saying how how can the that book, that book, be a hundred percent accurate? Mm-hmm. And when I say I can offer you proof if you're willing to look, mm-hmm. he's I have no I have no interest, no time. Okay, so. No, I don't believe that he could, that he's honored, you know, with my faith. Maybe he is. No, I didn't say faith. I said your conduct. Or my conduct. But I believe others who see me would give, would be, would say honor him saying. That, that's that fine. That, that's, that's what I was really trying to say, even though it may not have come across that way. <laughs> Go for it. One of the, the, the word here is kabad or kabad, and the primitive root is to be heavy, something that's weighty. Kavod, we yeah. use the term, don't take it lightly. Yeah. Don't take the relationship with your parents lightly. Yeah. And that means it comes with a certain amount of honor and respect, yeah. the same way if I'm going in. Now, I may not agree with, let's just say, a political leader. Let's just say a governor, a president. But I'm not going to casually disrespect that position to, to say nothing of undermine and and so you don't disrespect the authority yeah. and the position that they have been appointed over you mm-hmm. and that that means that you can still be honorable and respectful the same yes. way people yep. complain about their bosses when they're away but they respect their bosses and honor them at least they should yeah. that that's okay let's see what joe has you know i think is the commandments are but this particular one is bringing the people together uh, to uh, make Israel a holy nation. And uh, this is one of the, the family issues here. It's part of the binding of the people of Israel. In other words, it's a, uh, we're to be a uh, peculiar people. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a drawing to all these people together, and I look at it as the father and the mother being part of that uh, chief drawing to the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I guess um, I have two other issues. First of all, <clears throat> this is one of the few commandments, maybe the only commandment, that is uh, positive in its, in its instruction. It's not a don't, it's a do. You should do this, all right? 
So, and it's had a promise, right? What, what's the promise if you do this? You'll live long in the land that God is giving you, your ancestors, right? So that's, that's a promise. But um, go ahead, Mike, and then I'll finish. Is um, one of the signs of end-time prophecy, isn't it, children are disobedient oh, yeah. to their parents? Yeah. Like more, yeah. Than, more than the average, I guess. Yep. Well, I guess, well that whole, this whole thing about honoring your parents is kind of a spectrum. I mean, you know, because to dishonor them is not only to be disobedient, but it's to, uh, to conduct yourself in a way that shames them, you know? Don't do that. Then that, that's really not that hard. Even, even if they're asking you to do something that you fundamentally disagree with, you can do it in a way that doesn't shame them. Anyway. I think it's awesome, not. too, that Yeshua brought it up. And he was questioned by the Pharisees and Sadducees over washed hands, and then he talked about their traditions uh-huh. uh, and that their traditions uh, go against the commandments of Yah. Yep. And it's just, uh, do you, do you know the tradition that he was referring to? Uh, yeah, that was the ritual washing. Okay. Uh, with their hands. Okay. Well, I thought I thought ate. with respect to the uh, yeah the korban thing, I thought that's where you were going. You know, there's a place where. He gets after the Pharisees because they're, uh, they have interpreted this. Let's see. First of all, let me say, uh, let me make sure I get this right. I'm not sure I'm going to get it right. This korban offering, korban, that's the kind of a wrong use of that term, but it's where someone uh, gives something to God completely. And the Pharisees were under, uh, or would, I guess had been accused of getting people to do that with their children's inheritance because that way they benefited. You know, the, the Pharisees themselves, the, the group that they represented, the, the church, if you will, got this. And uh, this, is what he, this was one of the things that he was chiding them for, is you have taken this commandment and you've turned it to mean something different to benefit yourself as opposed to what it really means. I don't think we're disagreeing. I just think we had two different examples. No, I like uh, what you've added to yeah. it. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Better. <laughs> John. So it was already mentioned that it's, it's a commandment with a promise. Yes. The promise is to, stay on, to be on the land. Live long in the land, yeah. So did, were they always on the land? Uh, no. How so well do you think they did with this, huh? That implies that yeah. they didn't do a good job of yeah, honoring yeah. their parents. Yep. And or the parents didn't do a very good job of teaching them, passing the, co- the covenant, yes. which is a sacred contract, yep. from one generation to the other. That's what makes, to me, that's the big distinction between those two c- concepts. Yep. I, I'm, I'm happy with that. That makes perfect sense. You might say they didn't honor their father. Now we're getting somewhere because one of the things that we had determined earlier was that the first five commandments have to do with our relationship with God, and the second five have to do with our relationship with each other. How, this is the fifth one. So what has this got to do with our relationship with God? And John kind of nailed it, right? If you do this, then you can assure that the covenant will be transferred from generation to generation. And that's our relationship with God is the covenant being transferred from... Boy, you know, it's been, a, it's been a real light bulb for me just the past few years, realizing that this thing God's doing, He's really... Let's see, I'm really blessed to have Him involving me. But man, it's been a long time coming to me, and it's not going to be done till long after I'm gone. 
maybe not that long, but you know, it's, uh, we're just a part here, and we just play a little role. Yes? Just a slight difference in what you were saying. I think it was to the children about the Corban offering because they would not care for their elderly, elderly parents because they said we can't do this because this has been set aside as a gift. For, well, I'll tell you what. For, but, that, uh, that's the, a good homework. Yeah. Let's go back and reread that and understand it because I, so, you know, so I, yeah. It wasn't so much about the parents caring for the children with their offering. I think it was the children caring for the parents. Well, Okay. Yes. To echo what Micah was saying about, you know, honoring your father. Well, when did they get kicked off the land? It was after the the house the the kingdom split mm -hmm. and right before that, well not right before it, but before that was they fired God as their king. So they didn't honor him as their king anymore. Mm -hmm. Eventually that got to the point where the the like I said, the kingdom split and then the house of Israel's Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, God's amazingly tolerant. He puts up with this nonsense for generations. <laughs> but finally he says, okay, enough's enough. Do you want me to read that from uh, Matthew? If you want to. Okay. It says, uh, for Elohim said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to, he is not to honor his father or mother. And by this, you have invalidated the word of God for the sake of your uh, traditions. Okay. Um, certainly that seems different than what I had described. But I'm not sure. I'm going to have to go back and noodle on that. I... I wholeheartedly admit to being a little bit out to lunch here on this one. Yeah, I think it's, I said this uh, before, but I think it's the glue that holds society together. It is, okay. it is. No, I'm not sure, but I think there's uh, about parents and uh, their children back in the book of Proverbs where it talks about uh, how the uh, bad manner corrupts children, something like that. And I think it's, if a parent's parents set the example, because the scriptures say, bring up a child in which he would go, and when he's older, he will not depart from that. Mm -hmm. So I think all these things are together. There had to be a reason that God would say, honor your father and mother. And mm -hmm. it's interesting that he put the word father before he put mother. It is interesting, but... There's, you guys are right in that this has really got a lot. It's definitely what this is. This is the glue that holds the family together. And the family is this functional building block that God uses to move his program through the civilizations, right? And, if the, and, and uh, there are all kinds of great examples in the Torah of families not doing this. And what happens to the families and all the pain and, and suffering that goes on. But if they do this, then... The, like John says, the covenant gets moved along. The God's plan moves ahead. Um, so, yep, yeah, I think and, we're... And they own the land. Uh, yes. There's emphasis on that. Yeah. I listened to a Jewish rabbi speak about his perspective about the Joseph and his brothers mm -hmm. in regard to honoring the parents. He said it was possible that the brothers were in defense of their mother not getting a fair shake mm -hmm. and themselves 
because the father had given them all mm -hmm. coats to wear, but he gave a double blessing mm -hmm. to Joseph, which should have gone to the first. Mm -hmm. And in their taking matters in their own hands of trying to uh, let their father know that they were upset that yep. he wasn't being fair. No, I, I, I agree with that. Now, let me, I like this one. This is a fun one to talk about. The guy that should have gotten it was Reuben. Reuben definitely dishonored his father. You know how, right? So uh, him, he, according to Jacob's own analysis, was he disqualified himself by dishonoring his father. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that it's easy to say that Jacob was the one at fault. The truth of the matter is, though, Jacob had the, the position of being able to do whatever he thought was best. And he could bless Joseph over them if he wanted to. And their job was to not be jealous. That was their only job. And I don't blame them for being jealous. I'm not saying I could have done it, but that's, uh, that, that's my analysis of that one. That's a fun one to talk about and to think about. Okay, we'll, we'll go a little bit more, then we'll quit with this. But I've, I haven't. No, go ahead. If you got, if you got a... If you, really going, short. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's true. I'm sure. I, I had, I'm with Joe on the, on the father first. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. It could be coincidence, but it seems to me uh, that, yeah, many times people, many times children go to their mother, and it should be honor the father first, and then... Well... Yeah, the father, in biblically speaking, is the head of the household. He's the one that answers to God for his household, right? So, so he's really the that that's his plan. That's God's model. Yeah, I say I I personally feel real good about how I've beaten that horse. Anybody else? We can move on. Look at number six. Now that's a big one. Who wants to Who wants to read verse thirteen? <laughs> <laughs> thought so. I was really kind of just joking, right? Yep. 13, huh? Yeah. You do not murder. Murder. That's the key. The key word there is murder. Because who can explain to me the difference between murder and kill? I don't know that, but... Uh, you don't! That's pretty important to know, but are go you ahead. Are you talking about physical murder? Yes. Or are you talking about other types of murder? Because God said in the New Testament, if a man hates his brother, you know, he, you can kill mm -hmm. a person without any physical harm to that person well, by, by, by uh, ignoring them, yes. by uh, not what telling you, them everything else like that. What, what you say is true. But I believe that the, the most obvious meaning is the one we should discuss first. So I think this is literally, don't murder somebody. Well, let's talk about the difference between murder and killing. What do you have to say there? This is not one of my favorites, but <laughs> um, in, in war, you would be in defense of your country. Mm -hmm. And you would have to kill people. Uh, from the other side in defense of, of what you are defending, your country and your other mm -hmm. people's uh, freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or, or a policeman, is he's in a line of yep. duty. He yep. has to kill someone. He, it's okay. kill. Okay. Murder, so what, on the other hand. Murder, on the other hand. Murder, on the other hand, 
is like stealing. It's taking from somebody else their life and, and not in defense, but a selfish act. Well, that's fair. There's a, there's, there is a legal term for this. Murder is premeditated. It's planned out, yep. and, and whatever vicious, uh, sinful aspects lead to it, it's still the act of yeah. carrying out that plan. The legal phrase that goes with it is malice aforethought. Malice aforethought. Now, malice means hatred, and aforethought means you plan this out. You know, you hated him. That's why Yeshua says, if you hate him, you've murdered him. Because you hate him, then given its own natural course, that hatred will eventually lead to murder. Now, obviously, you can usually, people, most people can stop that. But that's where it begins. It begins with the malice and then you planning it out in your head. So that's the difference between murder and killing. And so, yeah, you're right. What you say is true. Yeah, Alfonso. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to me, this, this always seemed to be the most, one of the most misquoted scriptures because oh, a lot yeah. of people say, thou shalt not kill. That's what they and say. Like you say, there is a big difference, but they use that because, you know, they don't want you hunting or they don't want you, you know, squashing bugs or whatever, you know. Yeah. Or chopping down trees. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when, when you think about people at war or even police officers, there is a line you can cross, you know. Uh, it's one thing killing the enemy, and, you know, there's probably numerous stories, you know, of just atrocities of war where people are, you know, soldiers uh, going a little too far, yeah. doing, you know, more than they're, yeah. they're required, and, you know, we're... Uh, killing does lead to murder. Yeah, yeah, and, I give that. And uh, yeah, just the whole. Now, I, I've never been in. I was in the military, but I was never in war. But just some of the things these guys go through. I mean, I'm sure it just uh, does a number on your psyche. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and a lot of these guys come back, and you know, they just don't fit in anymore. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, it's a serious problem. But. Yep. So, do you know how the... I'll just throw this in. Uh, Joe has something. Then we'll let... Do you know how the law distinguishes between murder then and what, what, is, a, what is accidental death called? Do you know? Manslaughter. So, the difference between yeah. murder and manslaughter is premeditation. Yeah, in, in wartime, if you have a, a battle, you're, you're killing... But uh, that's uh, say that an enemy surrenders and then you execute him. To me, that would be murder. Well, don't know about that. I'm not sure. There, uh, the reason I have to say that is there are numerous, I say numerous, certainly some examples in Scripture where God tells you know, the Israelites to kill every man, woman, and child. And I tell you what, I have had people look me right in the face and say, well, I could never believe in a God that does that. There it is, okay? I'm not going to ever say anything. I mean, I, I think it's foolish to say I could never believe in a God like that because there's the God, He created us, and, you know, we have to deal with it. We have to understand it. So um, still, if you're, uh, this sounds bad, and I, I, I hesitate to go here, but if you're killing someone and you don't hate them, 
You're doing it because somehow or another you're forced to? I don't know. Maybe that's a forgivable kind of a thing. Maybe that's not this. I don't like this. I don't like this cutting the, cutting the thing thinner and thinner because a lot of times it's not realistic. You know? Go ahead, Alfonso. <laughs> Nail me. Okay. I'm going to agree with uh, Barry and Mike there. Except for the police thing, when he's going a little bit down the rabbit hole, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> and then we also got the murder. So I also think that these laws, these new laws that they're passing in New York, especially with Planned Parenthood, involves a lot of murdering of, of babies. So yeah, yeah that's we're going we're going to be in trouble for that. <laughs> I think so. Uh, the part where you were just talking about with every man, woman, and child, you're talking about Joshua when they were going and taking the land of Canaan, right? Well, the the actually the one I was thinking of was uh, Samuel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's okay. Um, with Joshua, uh, part of what they were puring out uh, in the Hebrew, it refers to them being descendants of Nephilim. Yep. And so it was a genetically impure or an abomination from creation that was being purged off of that land. That's why they're told not to let anything yep. live. Yep. Well, let, that's good. And since you are, since we're continuing to camp here for just a few minutes, um, you know, God uses nations, people groups, as instruments of judgment on others. And one of the things that I, I really feel like I understood was whenever he, uh, Whenever God was promising Abraham, you know, whenever he was making that covenant with Abraham and he was walking between the pieces and all that, and he told Abraham that your people will be, you know, slaves in a land not their own for 400 years, and then they'll come out, and, uh, and I'm going to send them, and you'll have this land here that you're now in. Uh, and he uses this little phrase, because the sin of the Amorites is not yet complete, all right? Now, the sin of the Amorites was the fact that they were uh, pagan, anti-God, whatever words you want to use, but they hadn't exhausted God's patience yet. They hadn't used up all their opportunities. And he, it took another 400 years for them to finally exhaust God's patience in which he had to say, okay, they're not redeemable. And if they're not redeemable, they need to be destroyed. Now, that's harsh, and I don't ever want to have, I'm not involved in those decisions, but I'm sure I'm willing to let God do that. What's interesting, too, is that uh, more were killed by the fire and brimstone that rained from heaven than by the sword of Joshua and the Israelites, <laughs> and that parallels with Sodom and Gomorrah as far as the fire from heaven because of them going after strange flesh, so maybe part of the fullness was bringing forth that fullness. Hey, I'll, I'm not going to disagree with that. That's, I like the way you said maybe. I mean, all of these things, this, I think this is the way to do this is to look at these connections and just ask yourself, could that be? And maybe after further reflection, you say, no, I don't think so. But maybe you say, well, it could be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that a lot of people disconnect what happened as judgments, like you mentioned, that these were part of a judicial case yes. that allowed a fullness of time to develop before he pronounced judgment on these people, yeah. Yeah. whether he did it himself or he used 
people to do it. Mm -hmm. The point is, these were judgments. So it would be the same way, like when you talk about someone had committed a crime, they go and then they might get stoned or they get the electric chair or whatever. But you got to understand the differences between the judgments that people might make because of mistaken identity today. God was making a judgment, and he's a righteous judge, yeah. so it's not a case of mistaken identity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> One last question in all that. So since they were being judged, that would potentially mean that there was not one righteous left among them, mm -hmm. just like how Lot was plucked. So in their mm -hmm. fullness, does that mean that either the ones that were righteous passed away or had already fled out of the land? Yeah, that's what that means. That's my opinion. That's my opinion, yeah. When David slew Goliath, was mm -hmm. that murder or killing? Well, that was not murder. That, that, in my opinion, that was not murder. Yeah. Okay, moving right along. This, you guys are fun because you don't really get too mad at me whenever I come up with these outrageous things. And I'm here, and it's still fun. I can't <laughs> believe it. I'm not watching 14. online. I'll read verse 14 because it's, it's an extra word longer. It says, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, not a, okay. Any doubt about what that means? Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about that one. That's all right. Okay. Okay. Well, actually, this is one that's going to get discussed pretty thoroughly as we move along. Because as we, as we talked about before, if this is just a table of contents, then we're going to get to the chapter about do not commit adultery here in a while, and we can talk about them. But go ahead. Um. Now, with that, that one, this is a question, too, because I noticed, because I've, I've been studying a few of the translations, and I think it's Prashetta, the Aramaic text, it omits uh, that portion in Scripture that talks of, that Yeshua talked about to the adulterous woman. Uh -huh. um, what would be the reason on why that might omit it, if you know by chance? Because I, I've, in side research, heard that the way that the wording was in some of the King James, it was to kind of uh, permit forgiveness for adultery, but I'm not 100% well, sure. Well, I'm, okay, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't have a good opinion on that. I'm no expert for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's not only physical adultery, but I think it's adultery where the Israelites went after false gods and committed I'm adultery. Glad, glad you brought them. that up because what you're basically saying is uh, adultery on a human level is idolatry on our relationship with God level, right? Okay. Yes. I found it interesting in last week's Torah portion that um, Avimelech mm -hmm. had the dream. He took the woman thinking she was unmarried, but his regret was, I've taken a married woman. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was interesting. He already had a wife, yeah. so there was no concern that he was going to take another woman as long as she was single. He makes the point that I didn't know she was a married woman that I was taking, and so, perhaps... That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. That does a couple of things. One of the things, since that happened before Torah, it's clear that he understood that 
Isaac, this was Isaac's wife, I think, that this happened to, I think. No? Well, Abimelech did it twice. There were two Abimelechs, and it happened. The one that I think you're talking about with a dream, I think. Oh, you're talking about Abraham's. Okay, in any case, it's clear that they knew enough to know that adultery was a no-no, at least to the Hebrews. So it was probably a no-no all the way around. That's, that's one of the fun things to realize about this stuff is that most people know what's right and wrong anyway. I have to give some opinion. Oh, no. As, as, as Polly is pointing out, um, what made the difference wasn't that he was grabbing himself another wife. It was that she was someone's wife. That's, that's what Polly just said, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, but emphasis on, the, on that in, in Scripture, and I can't point Scriptures, but I believe it uh, allowable to have more than one wife, but there are rules to having more than one wife yep. as far as how to treat them, provide for them, etc. Yep, yep. There, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Okay. And, and I believe it's the Catholic Church, there goes my opinion, of, of that switching to where now if, if you're going with somebody else, either the man or the woman, and, they, and they've set this equalism that wasn't supposed to be there. Man's supposed to cover, protect the woman. It's, it's like... Uh, us as the brides as opposed to the church being a big bride okay i maybe i've gone way left because yeah, okay. i'm i have a lot of opinion on it so okay all right i i just didn't quite get what you're saying however i i do have very well-formed opinions about whether it's okay to have multiple wives i think I, I was going to say, I think, I think God tolerated it. I don't think it was his ideal plan. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. Yeah. There's too many cases where it didn't work out that good. <laughs> well, with, uh, I was just thinking about uh, Solomon when God told him, don't take any... Uh, wives or horses because that will pull you away from me. Yeah. And he, as you well know, he changed the, the writing of the Hebrew and reasoned within himself, well, if I do this, then I'm not going to let this happen. It's, nothing's going to pull me away from God, but guess what? Yeah. The wise did pull him away from God. Okay, so he's talking about the numerous wives a lot of those uh, wives were pagans. Sure. And, uh, and what about the contrabines? Well, what about them? <laughs> it's a, though I, let me tell you, there's a lot to that. First of all, during those times for rulers, having wives of other, you know, foreign wives was a way of having peace treaties with foreign nations. Okay? So it, the idea was as if, King, what's his name from this neighboring country, uh, gave you one of his gazillion daughters as a wife, then you would be less likely to get mad at him and attack him and overrun him and kill all the people. So they, they used it as a part of, uh, you know, uh, international diplomacy, if you will. Not that I'm excusing anything. I'm just saying that was part of the way 
the game was played back then. But you're definitely right. Uh, it's clear that Solomon's foreign wives are who led him astray. So, yeah. Is uh, adultery technically just if one or one or the other part per, people involved is married? That's my understanding. So, so two unmarried people cannot commit adultery with each other. That's right. called fornication. Okay. That's my opinion, and I could be wrong. Although it, God has a thing about that, yeah. which we'll re read about here I, real I've, soon. I've wondered, like, uh, with uh, Judah, when he went to this woman who he didn't know was his daughter-in-law, yeah. and, you know, he's thinking this is a prostitute. It seems like to him that was an okay thing. Well, you know, insofar as prostitution is an okay thing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, sometimes I wonder, like, like you say, these kings who they had many wives. Yeah. You think of somebody like, uh, like uh, Henry VIII who had many wives, but he, he could not have all these wives at the same time. That's right. He had to get rid of this one and marry the next one. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it seems like in the long run it would have been better had they just let him have all these wives, you know. I don't know. That's, That's just, so far away from what God wants. It's not even hard. You know, it's not even possible. I, to I know, but the, the way the, <laughs> the, the back in the old days when the these kings had many wives, yeah. I mean, a lot of these women wouldn't have been beheaded. You know, had this well, been yeah, the case. You know, I, I mean, they would have lived at least. Oh gosh. Uh, who was the? Uh, who was the? Uh, Anne Bolin. Yeah, she lost her head over the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Two. Uh, Two wrongs don't make a right, or something along those lines. Whatever. I say this was hesitancy, <laughs> but um, so you know, I I think we all have a little bit of issue with what what how things were back then. Yet at the same time, when Yah says that he was going to divorce the Yasharel, right? And her sister, Judah, you know, did not take that heed to that situation. Mm -hmm. Then I started realizing, hey, there's two here. <laughs> and that was kind of bothering me. And I just thought no, I'd that's a good point. That. That's a good point. And, and it's very important to realize that God did divorce the northern kingdom and he didn't divorce the southern kingdom. Right? Well, the, he accused both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of being unfaithful. And both were. Both were unfaithful. I think you could make a case for the fact that the northern kingdom was worse, whatever that means. But the northern kingdom was much, you know, they, they, they became irredeemable, at least in their present form. And so God divorced them. The, the divorce decree is talked about in the book of Jeremiah. And so... He used the nation of Assyria as his instrument of judgment, and the Assyrians conquered them and dispersed them all over their empire. And someone was talking earlier about, the, you know, we were talking about the family and how the family unit needs to be intact so that the uh, covenant can be um, continued. If you were one family trying to maintain Judaism, in, by the way, a very corrupted form by the time you were here, um, and your son, and you lived in, in a place where nobody else did it, 
And so you raised up your kid and, you know, you kind of went through this half-hearted motions of trying to, to do it, but, you know, you really couldn't be very good about it because you didn't have anybody to, you know, share your faith with or anything. And then your son's going to grow up and he's going to be even less, less half-hearted than you were. And then his son is going to grow up and, man, he might as well not even have had it at all. It only takes about three generations for a Hebrew to not be a Hebrew anymore. So that's my opinion what happened to the northern kingdom. On the other hand, the southern kingdom didn't, uh, God didn't divorce them. And it's, he said, he says, I'm divorcing the northern kingdom, but you, Judah, even though you've been every bit as unfaithful, I'm not, I'm not divorcing you. And he kept them. And whenever he used the Babylonians as his instrument of judgment on them, they were removed kind of in mass. And so they became, they, you know, they became a little ghetto, if you will, in Babylon, and they kept some form of it. And then when, when the Persians conquered the Babylonians and Cyrus sent them back, they could kind of reconstruct themselves a little bit. All of this is just an enormously complex plan that he put together and that is coming back. You know, it's, it's coming together here three and a half thousand years later. It's incredibly interesting, I think. I got carried away, but it's... No, I'm glad. Okay. <laughs> Paul had this problem in uh, Corinthians where it was known among the uh, the city that this man was taking his father's wife, and okay. it was a uh, a no no. It was a black eye yeah. to to the gospel at that time because even the heathens didn't <laughs> like that. Even the heathens knew you shouldn't do that. Yeah, you know. We need, to, I, I, we need to move along, but you go right ahead first. Okay. The, the gentleman that Michael brought up earlier, what was, do you remember his name? The, and he went and took the daughter-in-law? Oh, that was Judah. Judah. Judah had three sons, didn't he? And didn't all three die? No. No. The, the youngest one the, the, lived. Well, the, the, the youngest one, or the oldest one married Tamar, and he died. Right. So the second one had to do his duty as his older brother's brother uh-huh. and, and marry his widow. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he didn't do what he was supposed to didn't do. Didn't do what he was supposed to do, so he died. Right. And the third son was young, and so Judah said, well, wait till he grows up a little bit. Why don't you go back? He says to Tamar, why don't you go back and live with your father, and when he gets old enough, we'll call you. Well, he got old enough and then some, and Judah just conveniently forgot about it. So okay. Tamar had tricked him by pretending to be a prostitute. So that's how that all... Right, right, right. But the point, but point was is, is Tamar's husband and second husband were, were already dead. Yes. So, was, so she was right by tricking him. Well, she, okay. She was right by tricking him because he had not done what he, number one, said he would do and number two, should have done. Right. Which is call it's her back to marry his, his third youngest, son. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't excuse. Well, never mind. You're right. You're right. It's complicated. Let's move on. I, I kind of thought we'd get a little further than this, but I, we've been having too much fun. Um, unless anybody just really wants to say some You want to say some more about adultery? Such a pleasant Well, I topic. think you helped me see that the reason sounds like that he didn't divorce... Judah was because 
of Yeshua. Yes. That, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I tell you, let me tell you where this really, really fits is the parable of the prodigal son. Judah is the son that was home. And when the northern kingdom comes back and God is so excited and Judah goes to him and says, why are you excited about this? This is the guy that took all your money and left. And he says, well, you've, been, you've had me all the time. You've had everything I've always had. That, it's a beautiful picture. So, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, let's look at this next one. I think it's number... Yeah, it's verse 15. I think it's number 9. That's a big, long one. You shall not steal. Now, this is a good deal. What, is, what are the implications of you should not steal? John, yay, I knew. <laughs> it's about time, huh, John? <laughs> I want to go... Uh-huh. I want to go back to what was said first. Fine. What is, what is meant by salvation comes from the Jews? Uh, there you go. Right? Yeah. They still have a legal contract with, with Yahweh yeah. to, to resolve the bill of divorce to yep. the house of Israel. Yep. Okay. So the question of thou shalt not steal mm-hmm. is a perfect example of the biblical point, place you can point to for private property. Absolutely. You cannot have, stealing doesn't mean anything if you don't have private property. Yeah. And this, what our creator given on animal rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. But if you read uh, Blackstone's commentaries, which is where they got that from, he says life, liberty, property. Yeah. No, that's exactly what it says. In order to steal, there has to be property. Right? There has to be ownership because otherwise you're not stealing. I mean, somebody has to own something. So you're exactly right. And that, that's a, a big fundamental thing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, wait, yep. wait. Yep, yep. You're stealing a wife. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You're stealing, adultery you're steal- is stealing a wife. Yeah. Yeah. Adultery there. is stealing a wife. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I just think that's really neat because the, the concept of owning something is, is a biblical concept. Going down a little bit further, we're not there yet. You do that all the time, but that's okay. <laughs> but it says, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, nor uh, whatever, you know, all mm-hmm. that. So stealing is another word, is uh, covetousness. No, it's You don't not. think so? No, stealing is what covetousness leads to. Okay, well. I mean, the, the, if you, to covet means to desire and boy, I know what that feels like. I bet you do too. Yeah. To see something and just say, oh man, I really want one of those. Well, I'd I, love to have that. I was, Yeah, I would love to have that. If I see something that you have, I want to cover it and I want to steal it away from you. Yeah, but that's different things. Because the stealing is actually doing it and the covetousness is a, is a matter of the heart. I don't know if I should bring this up, but uh, (laughs) on the issue of stealing, uh, I'm a part native, and I hear a lot people say, and I know this in the native culture a lot, they accuse white people of stealing the land. Yeah. But in, in my view, the reality is they didn't really steal it because 
the Indians of America, they didn't own all the land. They only loaned, they only lived, you know, in certain areas. And to their their way of thinking, they did not they they don't think in terms of ownership of land. Yeah, the that's way, true. The way the white culture does. That's true. And sometimes I, you know, and I, it's hard to like talk to my native relatives about stuff like this because almost to a person, you know, the viewpoint is that the white man stole our land. You know, we want our land back. Uh, you know. But uh, it, it's sometimes it's a, uh, it's kind of like a, something inside me that's a little, it's kind of one of those, uh, uh, how, how do you explain it? Uh, well, the term might be ambivalent. Ambivalence where you have strong feelings on both sides. Well, not really ambivalence, but uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I was going to say, this is... Because I've talked to people about this before, and uh, some, sometimes they get angry, you know, if I try to explain, you know, that when Europeans came here, uh, they weren't looking to, you know, it, it's like who, who, like you say, who came first, the chicken or the egg? Nobody knows really yeah. how things es ex escalate, you know, and... Yeah. And I think we lose fact of the fact that, or lose sight of the fact that sin is always involved, you know, oh, when, yeah. when, you, when different cultures are dealing with each other. And, yeah. you know, he said, she said, who knows, you know. And yeah. so, this, anyways, well, if anybody I, had any thoughts on that. I, I have one, and I, I, this, I'll try to make this quick. Um, we used to live in New Zealand. And New Zealand has much the same kind of effect on their population that, that you know, we do here. And uh, the Maoris are the native culture in New Zealand. But the Maoris, there are a whole bunch of them that think that the white man, the Europeans, stole their land. But a lot of that is just ginned up. Because if you go back and look at history, the Maoris used to just kill each other right and left and eat, eat each other. You know, they were horrible people. That, well, I don't, they were nice people. But they, they, they <laughs> fought between each other and they just were savages. And four or five of these, these kings, when the Europeans started coming, looked and said, you know, they, they lead a much more peaceful and rational life than we do. We should really just adopt it. And they did it. They did it with, you know, they did it knowing full well that they were giving up their land. But they did it because they saw that the way they lived was better than the way the Maoris lived. Now, I'm not trying to say that that's the same, but I guess my point is, is I'll bet you it's not black and white. That's the main point. And I, we didn't need to go there at all, but I thought you might be interested. Okay, two more and we're quitting. We got five minutes. Um, the ninth one, that last one was only the eighth one. <clears throat> Did you have something you want to say first? It's really short. It's something bet. about, I guess, uh, a little bit what Joe said. So, Stealing is like, I see Barry's cup there, and he turns around, and I take his cup yeah. without his knowledge. But then, if I cover the cup, it's like I'm really desiring this cup that yeah. he's got that I've stolen. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yep, that's, that's the difference. That's exactly the difference. Well, we skipped number verse 16, which is pretty important. Thou shalt not give false testimony against your neighbor. Lying. Right? That's basically what that's lying. Although false testimony against your neighbor talks like court case talk. Yeah. Oh, man. That's what the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees did to uh, Yeshua with the false witnesses here, here. and 
setting yep. it up, uh, you know, with enough people to support their agenda versus a true case to, to have it stand. Yeah. Yep, that's true. If I tell you the, if you want to, since I've dragged on way too long, if you want to go read about Naboth's Vineyard, you can look up Naboth's Vineyard. It, it happened in the, the reign of Ahab and Jezebel in the northern kingdom. That'll tell you what testify, you know, false witness, fault, you testimony against, false testimony against your neighbor is. We'll quit with this last one, which is what uh, you were talking about. We can't quit now that since you got us there, right? Uh, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his donkey or his ox or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So basically, what's that say? Leave my cup alone. <laughs> leave, leave my cup alone. It's, can, you, can you imagine yourself looking at someone that's got your neighbor, that's got this great, I don't know, cool thing, and you really would love to have a thing like that, but saying, well, man, I'm sure glad he's got that. You know, he must really, really enjoy that. That's really great that he's got that. Yeah, I'd like to have one, but I think it's really good that he's got that. I mean, does that, does that ring true at all? Can we do that? I'm going to admit to my, my problem of covet, covetousness, yes. Okay. Because somebody can have a really fancy car, and I may not even notice what color it is. Mm -hmm. That's because you're not into cars. Not into cars. Fine. Yeah, mm -hmm. you got it. Mm -hmm. Computers. If, yeah. If, yeah, if I yeah. see something computer-wise, server-wise... Wow, that's I have cool. To th I, yeah, I think about that for a moment, and then I have to say, well, it's, that's not mine. <laughs> but at, that one takes me a minute, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wouldn't covet, being covetous um, basically sum up everything in conflict from beginning, you know, another mm -hmm. god, yeah. another, you know, another set of rules, another day, you know, all those things, right? Yep. Wife. Everything. That's what I think. It, I mean, th those are the actions that this leads to. So this is, this is kind of like the, the main one of the five, of the, the last five. This is, this is how you love your neighbor as yourself. This is how you do it, is by not coveting anything that your neighbor has. You know, by being happy that he's better off than you are, if you will. Being, Eyes off. You thought? Eyes off. Eyes off. There you go. That's fine. Okay, so I'm, on the one hand, I'm a little sorry this took so long. But on the other hand, I really enjoyed it. And I think there's so much in the Ten Commandments that we can get out. And they're very applicable today. They have everything to do with us today. Uh, so it gets better. It only gets better. Does anybody have any last thoughts or comments before we quit? Ultimately, instead of coveting anything, we should be grateful for what blessings we have and, yeah. and what we earn and, yep. and just leave it in the Most High's hands. That's very true. That's what, what Paul say, I've learned to be content in all things. Yep. That's, that's very true. Sometimes we think that the grass is greener on the other side. <laughs> and... We may think that, but actually it isn't. No, as, as you get older like me and having moved to the other side several times, I realize that now, yeah. And I've, I've found for myself, if I can, 
if I see something that I want and I say that's his and I'm and thank God he has it and I I'm able to flush that that God comes around and gives me yeah better yeah. than yeah yeah so then even like with dishonoring parents it's usually cuz there's covetousness in the child wants something different different rules different power everything whatever. yeah 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 that's very good true that's very true okay all right i'm going to close in prayer if that's okay well, Father God, thank you for the discussion. Thank you for your word and, and how perfect it is and how much there is in it. I thank you for this group of people that really decided to look into it and think about how it applies to them. And I ask that you keep us safe and uh, keep us um, cogitating on these issues until we get together again. And bless us until Shabbat. In Hushua's name, amen. Okay, thanks very, very much. And we'll do it again next week. <laughs>